welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast that goes and looks at all the old cartoons of our youth, the Saturday morning cartoons, the afternoon cartoons, and uh, sees if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is all too often the case. I am your host, Sean Coca, And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be looking at Back to the Future, the animated series. September 14th, 1991, and ran until December 26th, 92. Uh, originally, it was on CBS, and then later it got picked up again in 2003 on, on rerun syndication and ran with the Fox box. Which I'm not at all familiar with. Uh, yeah, I was not Is that really, a Canadian thing? I, yeah, well, you know, we were in college by then, so uh, our cartoon time was probably pretty limited to, like, my, hung over on a Saturday, or my cartoon um, time in college. Never. My cartoon yeah. time in college was uh, relegated to probably between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. on Adult Swim. Yeah, that was probably about as much as I got too. So, yeah, um, this is uh, this is a cartoon series that literally picks up where the third installment of the Back to the Future movies leaves off. Well, sort of, because um, the the show and the movie were created by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. And Bob Gale has been quoted in an interview actually saying that the show takes place in an alternate timeline that has nothing to do uh, with the movies. So this is a, it's kind of like um, like it happens outside of the continuity, technically after obviously the third movie, but but outside of any kind of further continuity that they may choose to do in the future. So uh, they're just they're just saving their butts in case they ever wanted to do a Back to the Future four, and they wouldn't have to. Make it match up with the cartoon, right? Yeah, because there's a lot of this that would be beyond difficult to cover. Yeah. Um, so the the music, interestingly enough, the music was composed. Well, the theme itself was was the theme from the Back to the Future movie. Yeah, Back um, in Time by Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah, it, it, I believe that that's written by Alan Silvestri, who who actually has composed music for Forrest Gump and the Avengers and Roger Rabbit and obviously Back to the Future, but. The composer for this show, his name is Michael Tavera, and he was a busy mofo because he had Land Before Time, ep- uh, numbers 2 through 14, <laughs> that he did all the music for. I always wondered why they didn't just turn that, that thing into a show instead of just making a bunch of made-for-TV movies. Because they could sell the movies for 20 bucks a pop on VHS, okay. that's why. Okay. Um, Rocket Man, the 1997 classic with Harlan Williams, I say classic very loosely... Um, Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3 in 1990 and Super Mario Brothers the SNES show uh, in uh, 1991. Those are like the two other animated Mario shows that came after Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yeah. Um, he did Swamp Thing, the completely um, mental misadventures of Ed Grimley, um, Where's Waldo, Sonic the Hedgehog, Exo Squad. So he's a busy, um, busy guy. Bedtime Stories with Shelley Duvall, a, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he did a ton of stuff. Actually, Going and, and doing some research on some of this, I actually want to maybe do a few of these things that he's done because they're kind of odd projects that I didn't think about for a podcast that would fit really well. Yeah, well, so this this show follows the the uh, adventures, misadventures, whatever you want to call it, of the Brown family. You got Doc Brown, who's obviously Doc Emmett Brown from the uh, from the movie. Yeah, you have his wife Clara. Uh, that he met in the third movie. And then you have his sons, his two sons, Jules and Vern, who you meet at the very tail end of the third movie. Um, his and, uh, dog, Einstein, who 
I have a few things to say about Einstein. And then you yeah. also have Marty and Jennifer interspersed. Sometimes Marty's the main character of the episode. Sometimes, sometimes he's, he's not. nearly non-existent. Yeah. yeah. There's episodes that go by where he's not even in the episode or he's an incidental character outside of it. Yeah. And Biff. And Biff. Uh, <laughs> Biff. Biff Tannen is in every episode. He is the antagonist. In some weird way or another. In some way yeah. or another, Biff Tannen is the antagonist in every single episode. And also there's a Biff Jr. in later episodes that we won't cover. But, but there is a Biff Jr. So, one thing odd to note about the voice acting for this show is Christopher Lloyd, uh, this show kind of follows a live-action intro, animated TV show, and then live-action at the very tail end. So, Christopher Lloyd in himself does this live introduction uh, to the episode, usually kind of some sort of hint at what the show is going to be about yeah it's a it's a setup he, he talks about something he'll do an experiment or something and then it somehow has to do with the events of the episode yeah but what's really cool about this is the voice actors for all of the re- well for three of the characters in the show end up being based they're the real voice actors of the people from the movies so mary uh steenbergen who's clara from the the third movie She's actually the voice of Clara in the show. Thomas Wilson, or Tom Wilson, uh, the you know the OG Biff Tannen, he is again Biff, but in the show. Uh, also, the the principal from the show, Principal Strickland, he is in this too in later episodes, but he's now a dean or whatever. But, yeah, because Marty's um, in college now. Yeah, and one other cool uh, kind of weird thing to notice that. It was a voice, I, I don't know why it sounded sort of familiar, but, you know, Doc Brown, I thought, wow, that's a really good Doc Brown, but uh, it's Dan Castellaneta. Yeah, right. the voice of Homer Simpson. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the funny part. We were actually talking about this before we started recording, is that they got Christopher Lloyd to do the live-action scenes where he's playing Doc Brown. Yeah. But then as soon as the live-action scenes are over and it goes to the uh, animated segments, it's Dan Castellaneta. And they sound similar but it's very easy to tell a difference. At least to me, it's very easy. One of the things that I thought was funny about the intro segments is that, I mean, I re- it's been a while since I've seen the movies, but I remember Doc being eccentric, but not ridiculous. And in the, yeah. in the segments, he's ridiculous. He's, oh, oh my God, murder! He does a lot of that. He yells a he lot. a lot of scenery chewing. Oh, yeah. he is, he is um, chewing up everything. And it's, and it, it's kind of distracting and kind of annoying a lot of times. And I mean, I could see if you're like a nine-year-old kid, it would be fine. Yeah. But as an adult, it's it's kind of cringy. And maybe that's why they did it, because the movies weren't intended for like five to ten-year-olds. At least I don't think they were. No, no. But the, the show was. Not. The movies were... I, I, I mean, I watched them as a kid because, you know, but... But you weren't the target audience. We weren't the target audience when we were little. No, the target audience for that was probably teens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other thing real quick is uh, the the voice of, of Jules is actually the voice of Ocelot from uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. <laughs> and he's also the, the new voice of Spyro um, in the Skylander reboot show. Uh, oh, so nice. for those of you with kids who watch that, uh, the voice is the same guy. So oh, oh, and one super awesome thing about this that I got really excited about, and it ended up not being as big of a deal once I saw it. This is Bill Nye's television debut yeah so like we said there's a beginning live action segment and a ending live action segment the beginning segment is always uh christopher lloyd doc brown doing doing something something, being wacky and then the ending segment usually starts with christopher lloyd saying something and then he decides to go into an experiment and this is 
a experiment that kids are supposed to be able to do at home. So it cuts to Bill Nye. Right, and it's like a it, it, like fourth or fifth grade like level uh, home science experiment. Yeah. Which is kind of cool that they're working that in. Really simple stuff um, like making a battery out of lemons and... and yeah, electromagnet. Yeah, and talking, stuff, about, yeah. talking about water pressure. And so Bill Nye goes through the experiment as... Christopher Lloyd explains kind of pantomimes it. it as like his uh, his assistant, but he never has any lines. Yeah, he looks he looks both uh, excited and bored at the same time. I don't know that that was possible, but but, I, it, but I think, it is in Bill Nye for these little segments. I think if I remember correctly, Bill Nye was also the technical advisor for the show. Was he really? I think he was for those experiments and stuff. He was a technical advisor. Well, I mean, he he has an actual STEM degree, so yeah, it's uh, engineering I mean, or something. Yeah, I believe it's an engineering. Uh, his undergrad's uh, engineering. But the, okay, so this show was produced by Universal Cartoon Studios, uh, Amblin Television. But here, here's something kind of interesting: is Universal they, they did, um, you know, Land Before Time, American Tale, and all this other stuff. So Universal Cartoon Cartoon Studios, they were kind of they farmed out their stuff to this production company in Taiwan called Wang Film Productions, and um, Wang Film apparently they they've done everything. So they animated DuckTales, they animated Bobby's World, Rugrats, the first uh, season. Um, they did the, some of the special effects and supervised those for the 82 Tron movie. They did Beetlejuice, the animated series, Captain N, Captain Planet. Um, they did Gargoyles, they did Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Hey Arnold, uh, Phineas and Ferb, and Peaky and the Brain, Silverhawks, Snorks, and, and Turtles. Very busy, um, and I think that list was in alphabetical order. It, it was, because that was the order that I was reading it. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of cool, because there's all of this stuff going on. Yeah. Um, they, also, there's another production company called uh, Big Productions, and they did Yo Gabba Gabba. So, um, I know it's Sean's favorite show. Um, if I, know, if, I talk, got, if I got high, I would get high and watch Yo Gabba oh, Gabba. See, I was going to say, in earlier episodes, you mentioned a cantaloupe and a microwave, and, and I, thought, <laughs> I thought Yo Gabba Gabba was where you were going to go with that. Oh, so. I was, was going to say, you thought Yo Gabba Gabba is where I learned that? You're uh, right. That's Yo Gabba Gabba after dark. <laughs> the adult series. Yeah. So uh, let, how about we dive into episode one? Yeah, uh, I think we're going to do something a little different. We're yeah, going to give a quick how, synopsis. Yeah, we're going to see how this works. We're going to do a quick synopsis of the show, and we're going to kind of riff on it afterwards um, to see see kind of a different uh, format here today. Yeah. So the first episode is called Brothers. In the first episode and series premiere, Vern, the brother... Uh, it debuted in uh, on September 14th, 1991. In the first episode in the series premiere, Vern, upset with his brother Jules, Vern is the younger brother, uh, runs away from a house using the DeLorean. Doc, Marty, and Jules then use the time train from the end of the third movie to go back in time to find him. They find him during the American Civil War on February 18th, 1864 in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where General Beauregard Tannen's armies kidnap Marty and Vern. Or kidnap Marty, sorry. Vern gasps. Jules and Vern end up on the opposite sides of the war. Vern is recruited by the Confederates and Jules the Union Army. During a big battle, both armies see the boys meet and huddle together in the center of the battlefield because they're terrified of being killed. The soldiers realize that they are fighting their own brothers and cousins and uncles and nephews. Both parties walk away from the battle without fighting, and they all chase after Doc, Marty, and the boys. This episode also reveals the origin of the word butthead as General Tannen calls his troops buttocks brains. And Vern corrects him and says, don't you mean buttheads? So that's the episode. 
Yeah, and that's about as much time as you're going to want to spend on it. Yeah, uh, the, the one thing you will find about... Oh, before we begin. Uh, St. Archer Brewing, and we're doing a pale. It's 5.5 ABV. Yeah. Beautiful. So while Chris is pouring that, one of the things that you will come to realize if you ever end up watching this show is that it is so forgettable. Yeah, you know, it's not that it's terrible... But it's not great either. It's just, it's it's the definite it's meh. It's that's all I can like. That's as much emotion as I can get into this show. Is that it's just, eh. but so yeah. Vernon Vern and uh, Jules get in a fight, and Vern steals the uh, steals the DeLorean and goes back in time. The thing to set the to set the uh, the stage for this is that. Jules is the smart one. He's the older brother, and he's a smart one. And Vern and is the young, and he's also kind of a dick. Oh too. yeah, he's he's an intellectual dick, and and uh, Vern is the younger brother, and he's the more normal brother. He's quote normal quote yeah, yeah. I mean, the quote normal brother in 1991 running around with a coonskin cap and uh, and just being a general. Well, he he just acts like a boy. I'm assuming he's supposed to be like seven. Yeah, he's like a little kid. They're, yeah, they're both little kids, really. Yeah, but, he's a little um, kid. So. <laughs> one of the first things, one of the first things that I uh, that I noticed in the cartoon was the first thing that Doc does, and Doc is supposed to be this eccentric but genius inventor, is he talks about never putting a, a, yeah. a, a aluminum foil in the microwave because he microwaved a potato. I, no, it's a burrito. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, it's a burrito. He put a burrito wrapped in foil in the microwave, and he blew himself up, and he's all charred because of it. And the and the burrito he's, disintegrates. He's supposed to be like this brilliant scientist, right? Um, quote unquote. Quote unquote. That's why I say um, he's he's a goofy buffoon in the show. Yeah, and in the show, well, in the live action like sequence in the beginning, he also mentions mentions some like weird uh, like auto jog mechanical running shorts that he invents. It's just like just buffoonery type of one of, one of the inventions thing, one that of make the, no sense. One of the one of the consistent themes of the show is that. Instead of saying words, instead of saying normal words that anyone would say, like, like instead of saying honey, he comes up with some scientific way of using the genus and species of a bee, and he's like, and then he describes what it does. So he would be like, you know, bee puke or something, but in a very scientific term. Uh, yeah, essentially, instead of just saying words that normal people would say, and his son Jules does the same thing. Okay, so uh, there's some of this I want to get. I'm going to mention later in 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 one of the other episodes because there there's a couple examples of this. In fact, well, there's examples of this in every episode, but there's a couple later, especially. There, he tends to do this, but sometimes it's based off of really really old and outdated scientific knowledge and i'm not talking like 50 years outdated like he's making a eugenics reference i'm talking like phrenology which is a study <laughs> of craniums yeah they make an actual phrenology reference like in one of the later episodes there are there's stuff that he'll mention that is where he's trying to sound smart and you could tell it's like supposed to be his like normal demeanor but it just it comes off with him sounding really dumb, actually. And you know what's funny is is in the in the movies he didn't do that. The character of Doc didn't do that, really. No, he never did that. Well, he did. There was like one or two lines total. But it wasn't it wasn't like a normal part of the way that the character conversed. It was just they they were incidental things. Yeah, it was it was always something random. But it was like this one was was intentional. So like Doc, one of the things that happens is is before the kid steals the the, the DeLorean. 
before Vern steals the DeLorean, Doc has actually programmed the DeLorean to be able to fold up into a suitcase to prevent theft. But it's still the same weight, and he claims that the DeLorean is 2,796 pounds. Because why Marty McFly would need to know the weight of the DeLorean, I don't know. I looked it up, okay? So the base weight of a stock DeLorean was 2,712 pounds, which means all of his modifications that he added only count to 84 pounds. That's pretty good. I, I bet know, he uses a lot of plastic. He's maybe a lot of plastic, but I, um, it's just like it's a weird thing to, to give a, a base weight for, for a vehicle, one, that's off, uh, and two... It has no bearing for the show. Like, why did I need to know the weight of that? Well, the, I think the the better question is why would why would you shrink something into a suitcase size that you would then not be able to pick up and carry around? What is the point of turning the car into a suitcase if that suitcase is just going to sit in the street? Well, that and like Marty even says that, and then Doc goes. Oh well, uh, I invented this device that will lift it. It's like some like steam powered looking dumb. It's like, it's like an engine crane. Yeah, it it looks like a, it looks kind of like a forklift, but that's steam powered. Yeah, that works on its own, and of course it breaks because half of the stuff that that he makes in the show or his kids make are crap. Yeah, it's all garbage. It's all garbage, like inventions. But you know what? You know what? That actually falls in line with the show because except or I mean the movie because except for the DeLorean, all of his other inventions are failures and he admits that. He says That's I'm a true. I'm a That's, failure. That is completely true. I didn't think about that because I'm the I'm only thing of a mind reading helmet that he uh, that he used in the uh, original Yeah, he gets Back the, to the Future. He gets discouraged in the movie because he's like, "Oh, I'm a failure. I'm a, I can't invent anything." And Yeah, and then he hit his head in the bathroom and yeah, he invents the, only, the flux capacitor. Yeah, that's the only thing he's ever actually invented Which that's he done. can maybe th- think a blood clot for yeah. as he says he dies on as he's on his deathbed when he's 90 and he's got an aneurysm well i was trying to figure out what's the time base for this like at what point does this take place the it sh- says 91 it's like when they go back to their home time it's like something or other 91 they so, always go back to 91 right but but the uh the movies take place in 85 and marty's graduating because he's going to a senior prom remember oh yeah um he wants to play he wants to play guitar for a senior prom in the first movie so, and so, he, so 85, so he graduates in 85. So he'd be basically done with college by 1991. He should have already been done by college maybe he by took, Maybe he took a couple semesters off. Well, maybe maybe that's took, why he's a dumbass. He, maybe he took some time off to travel uh, time and space. Yeah. But, or maybe maybe they just brought everybody forward five years. They could have. but Six years. But, you know, the kids that in the show are representational of the kids that they briefly show at the end of Back to the Future 3, and they're basically, like, almost the same age. Yeah. They're supposed to be. So it was, it, that, it was like they disappeared. Marty must have lived his life for several years, and then they just reappeared in, like, 1990, 91, plopped their shit down, and like, hey, Marty, we're back, and he just pretended like nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things, real quick, before we get too far away from it, in the beginning, in the beginning uh, opening credits, they show, uh, at one point they show Doc's two sons, and they were... Um, they're in prehistoric times and Jules, who's the older one has these rocket boots but Vern the younger one has a fucking gadget copter like yeah. he's got a helmet that has propeller blades that and that's how the he, beginning of the episode yeah that's that's what that's why I wanted to bring it up because he's he's running away because he doesn't like his brother and he puts on his go go gadget helmet and he flies away but then the thing runs out of gas and he falls hundreds of feet through the barn and lives to be completely fine yeah lands on top of marty it's it's the whole like rubberized cartoon people yeah thing 
Yeah, this show is just, it's just so weird. Yeah, and um, then he decides to steal. That's when Vern decides to steal the DeLorean and travel back in time or just get out of... He wants to go somewhere. Well, he's basically pissed that his brother's the favorite. And you'll see, like, if you watch these, he's right. Jules is definitely the favorite. Vern is, like, the... He is the weird adopted kid that they never wanted. Um, I mean, they, they, there's even an episode where he, he runs away because of that, too. In fact, there's two episodes then, right? He's yeah. got two episodes that he runs away because... Because he, his brother's a dick. Yeah, basically because his brother's a dick. Well, and, and Vern claims that Jules, at like age two, drew a DNA on an Etch-A-Sketch. Oh, I, yeah. That's I one call, of the reasons he's the favorite. I call bullshit because if you've ever used an Etch-A-Sketch, the most you can do is draw is draw stairs. You know what, though? Okay. There are some people that use those Etch-A-Sketches pretty damn well. Yes, but not at two. No, probably not at two. Yeah, so he's, he's a lion sack of shit, in my opinion. So one thing um, I noticed in this first episode is that... Once they go back in time, because so Vern goes back in time to to uh, the Civil War because Marty's studying for Civil War test, and Doc had had changed the time circuits to be able to be voice activated. So he's listening to Doc, or Marty's listening to his uh, his history lesson or whatever, and says, and the thing says the 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 thing says something about February eleventh, eighteen sixty four, and so the time circuits switch, and that's how he goes back. So once he's back there, lots of, lots of hijinks happen. But one of the things that I noticed is that. Outside of the main cast, all the other characters in the show are animated horribly. You're right. The character yeah. designs are god awful. I mean, even Biff to and a certain they're, degree. They're choppy. Yeah, even well, Biff. Biff is just unpleasant to look at the yeah. way that they've animated him. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's. It's just the way. Like, the, his chin and facial structure is just unpleasant to look at. Well, I guess that makes sense because he's the antagonist. But literally, every other character either is not animated as much like they didn't put enough detail into it or they put like weird detail into it to make them look weird yeah well and that's kind of a shame because i i have to be honest i think the voice acting wasn't poorly done in this they did their the script is is terrible but but the voicing was not that bad you know um i mean poor biff has to scream all of his lines as we were talking about earlier yeah Uh, he he screams he doesn't really that's the thing and is in the movie he doesn't scream his lines but in the show he screams all of his lines he's just yeah it it is well there's like a biff in every episode but it's not always biff it's like it's It's like one of biff's ancestors yeah it's some weird ancestor of biff even sometimes a dinosaur biff yeah so this when they go back so they get to meet beauregard tannen who's uh one some major he's a old ancestor from the civil war which actually doesn't make sense when you compare it to the third one because then beauregard tannen because this takes place in 1864 then there's 1885 Mad Dog Tannen. Right. And so you've got you've got a twenty year span. You've got a twenty year span. Is Mad Dog twenty years old, or is maybe he's ten or no, something? I think, Mad Dog, I think Mad Dog is like four because Mad Dog's supposed to be like you know Biff's age around his forties well, or fifties, and well maybe about in his forties. I think in in Back to the Future three. And there's and a, so that uh, would mean that that would mean that he was born ten years before the Civil War, which I guess would make sense because the generals are older. So I it could make sense. Yeah, and the, the but general the Wild West, and so Beauregard. Tannen's a, is a southern general, and so the likelihood of him basically having freedom enough for his, you know, family to be out and about. We're thinking the, too much about. I know. <laughs> I do so, this every time. So, so um, uh, the so, cat's the cat's trying to drink my beer. <laughs> so the uh, so what happens is is uh, Vern gets basically conscripted by the South to be a drummer boy, and he's by, by either conscripting or firing squad. Yeah. So he. Is talking to the other drummer boy, and he's learning how to be a drummer boy. And 
I thought this was a pretty morbid scene where the drummer boy talks about how bad war is. Because Vern asked him, like, they're not going to shoot us, are they? Yeah, it's a and full-on, said, like, war is hell kind of moment and discussion. Yeah, Vern says, they're not going to shoot us, are we? We're just kids. He's like, no, they'll shoot at us. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of dark. Uh, it's true, if you yeah. know much about uh, the The Civil War was just brutally just atrocious. And so that happened all the time. You know, there are kids as young as, like, 11 and 12 years old getting blown away. But... You know, for a kids show, this is we're talking 1991 on CBS. Yeah, so uh, cartoon like a Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah, that's a little dark for a kids cartoon show. So eventually, the the conflict is resolved because, like like I said in the synopsis, Vern gets recruited by the South, and Doc and Jules get recru- recruited by the North, right. and they. Um, are pitted against each other, and Doc and Jules decide that they can create well, an electromagnet. Well, Marty, Marty's on the train, and it gets uh, they get like shanghaied on the train. Yeah, yeah. So by they the get South. they get captured. So, so they, in order to stop the war, they make an electromagnet. They make a giant electromagnet, steal everybody's guns, and then all the guns get pulled across the screen onto the magnet. But then when the magnet loses power, all the guys get their guns back, like they float back to the people, like they're on strings. Well, you know what it was? Is they they stole this like electrocuting device that was used for therapy on Gen- General Clayton, which is Clara's great uncle, or the I think it's it's, Burns' great uncle. I think it's just her uncle. Yeah, it's Clara's uncle. Yeah, it's Clara's uncle, uh, General Clayton from the north, and he's got this electrocuting device for therapy or whatever. It's supposed to help him relax, and they steal it, and then they they MacGyver the shit out of it and turn it into a giant electromagnet, which yeah. is weird. So that, like like I said, the episode end. Well, not the, the the conflict ends where. Uh, Jules and Vern come together and they're huddled because they think they're going to die because the two sides are closing in on them. And, and then they, this, they stop and like, everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. And they're brothers. And they're like, they we're really- not going to fight for now. Let's kill you first. Yeah, and then I, they chase them out of town. I thought, I thought it was funny that they, they were implying almost that uh, Jules and Vern stopped the Civil War. Yeah. Because they all stopped fighting and then they turned on Doc and they chased him out of town. And so then they come back and... Um, that's the end of the episode. Well, well, one thing. Well, there's something that I thought was really weird. Uh, the dog can drive. Okay, I, I, because okay, the dog can drive, and the DeLorean turns into a fucking limousine. Yeah, one of the things that I had written down for, for about this episode, and I had talked about why did they make the dog anthropomorphic? They they made the dog. But they don't though. He's a regular. He's a regular dog, and he gets these like mechanical gloves that he can use to type and do stuff instead yeah. of having paws. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's... But, like, he can't talk, though. No, but everybody understands what he says. He barks, and they all go, Oh, that's a good idea, Einstein. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very odd. So then it cuts to the end. We get a live action with Bill Nye and the Doc who want to teach us how to actually make an electromagnetic... Out of a screwdriver, and some wire, wire and, and batteries. That, and it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I actually thought that that's the coolest part of the show. The real experiments? The real experiments at the end. Oh, it, there's always like a bad Biff joke as part of the credits. But the the way that we watched the show, we didn't get to see them. Yeah, well, a lot not of, we saw one of them. Yeah, yeah. There's well, there's two I think. But the way that we watched them, there was there's only um, like two that we could see those on. Yeah, um, but so they're the, terrible. You miss nothing. Yeah. So um, the episode ends, and we're moving on to episode two, which is called a family vacation. Without consulting the family while leaving Marty and Jennifer alone, Doc takes Clara and the boys back to medieval times, not the restaurant, the actual medieval times, to escape the technology that he feels his family has become so reliant upon. Leaving the DeLorean that goes back to their home turf, Doc and Clara, oh, Doc angers Clara, and Jules and Vern leave them. Once there, Clara is kidnapped by the evil Lord Biffington, Biffingham, or Biffington, whatever, Biffingham, and Doc is thrown into the dungeon. 
Jules and Vern meet up with Harold McFly, Marty's ancestors, whose lady love, Genevieve, Jennifer's ancestor, almost, has also been kidnapped by Lord Biffingham. The boys and Harold arrive at the castle in time to witness the jousting match between Doc and, and the Lord. Clara escapes from the tower and makes a hot air balloon out of silk and a tapestry loom. As a true heroine, she rescues Doc and foils Biffingham's evil schemes. Doc realizes that he should have consulted her before making any decisions for the family. When Harold and Genevieve are together again, Doc, Clara, Jules, Vern, and Einstein head back to their home turf to visit Super Splash Waterworld, where Vern was expecting to go. Despite the complete animated series having all the episodes uncut, the first live-action segment of this episode is not shown. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So, the first live-action segment was... No, there was a live-action segment in this one. There was. It was It was, It was. was Doc in a hot air balloon. In front of a green screen. In front of a green screen. And so, the- <laughs> that's, that's what I want... Okay, so there's some weird shit here. This is something I want to mention. So, he's up in this hot air balloon, and he drops, um, like, a sandbag. Um, yeah. Out of, his, out of his hot air balloon... And he decides he then he's going to send some mail by by paper airplane. Yes, or air no, mail. by airplane, yeah. paper airplane. And so he throws he writes something down. He throws paper airplane away. You know, we watch the whole episode, and it cuts to the end. It's more live action where he wants to teach us about well, how wait, to make at, a hot air balloon. At the end of the at the end of the first live action segment, he literally falls out of the hot air balloon. He yeah. leans over, and he falls yeah, out, and he literally falls out. Yeah, because there's okay. So so we have that, and then we get to the end of the episode. And at the very end of the episode, Doc gets a paper airplane mail, like, mailed to him, and then uh, the sandbag drops on it him. It says, like, watch out for sandbags or something. And then the sandbag drops and hits him. And he's dead, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, that would be nice. No, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say that about Doc. I love my Doc. So Doc essentially traveled back in time to fly a hot air balloon in the same universe as himself while filming the show. And then he falls out of the hot air balloon. Oh, Sean's, Sean's gone for more. He falls out of this hot air balloon, but then where's the body? Where's the body? So he falls to his death. Like, he travels back in time. He drops a sandbag, throws a paper airplane. He falls out of the balloon. Does not land. Why? I think you're just thinking too much of this. It was just supposed to be goofy. It was weird. It was weird. I didn't like it. They did, I mean, they, there's always some sort of, like, weird science trivia in each episode. Sometimes it's not true, <laughs> but sometimes it is. So in this episode, it is. Um, he mentions the Montgolfier brothers uh, who invented the hot air balloon in 1783. But but then they go back to like medieval times. It, it was like the whole thing was like about hot air balloons, and then they go back to medieval times. Yeah, and it's like thir- hot air like 1300s England is where they go. Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact year, but it's like 13, uh, 1367 England. Yeah, so. Um, Jumping into the episode, this this just the first thing. One of the first things that happens, it really showcases how Doc is a worthless inventor because his invention that he's super excited about is an automatic page turner. That's literally like hands that turn a page in a book for it's you. It's the most. Why not invent a fucking Kindle? <laughs> because you know what? Maybe they're doing it on purpose. Maybe they're just showing that he is actually kind of a useless person, a useless inventor. Maybe. But he still invented the DeLorean and then another time machine with the time train. Yeah. So, and he did that in the 1800s. Yeah, exactly. So it's he's weird. not that worthless. Well, he's he's good He's good when it comes to time travel, and that's about it. Apparently that. Which is, I guess you could be good for anything at that point. So There's, while working on his inventions, he blows the fuse out. He blows the fuses out in the house, and it, it kills the power for everybody. 
There's a wait. There's a German voice dog massage machine that's in this episode. That, oh, you're a good boy. Yeah. So so Einstein is in this like German dog massage machine, and so when the power gets cut, he gets pissed off about it. Yeah, everyone's um, mad because everyone's doing something. Everyone has some. Everyone has some electric thing that they're using, and then he Doc blows this, the fuse box. And then he complains about them complaining. So he decides, the, well, you guys so, are too, you guys are too dependent, dependent on, on, on technology. Oh. So let's go back to 1367 where I can make you like... Everyone live. get in the fucking DeLorean! <laughs> We're going back in time! So they end up going to England and it immediately shows like these serfs working in a field while talking about quality, while he's talking about quality of life. Yeah. And All so, these people back here, they have a great quality of... <laughs> when like the average life expectancy was like... 35? Yeah, it was like 35. Yeah, so and, the old the old woman, so there's like an old woman washing all, clothes. All of the poor people all, are all animated with green skin. Yeah! <laughs> they're like fucking disgust. That's what I'm saying is like all the other characters, they're either animated really, really poorly, like the character design... I don't design think that is, was on purpose either. It yeah. was like they were standing in front of grass and they just said, oh, fuck it, I'll just color everything green. <laughs> or maybe they just, maybe the, maybe the animation studio was so, uh, was so uh, low on money at the time that they're just like well we've got like these four colors I, you know but see looking at the info that i had earlier i doubt it because they did ducktales and all these other things without lazy I, animation God, i don't know then yeah, so your guess he, is as good as mine so he takes them um he takes them to 1300s england uh to teach them a lesson uh, the first thing that happens is clara gets out they all he gets he, out and he well, sends the he sends the DeLorean, doesn't he? Well, he, it, like, yeah, goes he gets away. rid of the DeLorean. He puts it on like a timer to come back. So yeah. she gets harassed by Biffington, and the kids they go off to go to Stonehenge. Yeah, and, and with and, with oh, Marty or with uh, not Marty with, with Doc. the kids. Yeah, so it's the kids and Doc. But this is something that I thought was interesting. So they they they're at Stonehenge talking about the religious significance of Stonehenge and all these theories, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and then and then the locals claim it's an ancient solar calendar, which is actually the fucking truth. Well, yeah, one of them says, "I always thought it was an ancient calendar," and then another one says, "Really? I thought it had something to do with the solstice or something." Like they both give they go they both give valid explanations of what it is, but they're like they're like, "Really? It's religious? I thought it was like." Yeah, like a calendar. Yeah, it was. It's all like Doc. It, that's what I mean. Like, is Doc's information is all at least fifty years old? Because they did used to think that like it was for a religious a druidic ceremony, which it, it probably was because you know it was a highly you know superstitious culture. But they're like, no, it's the fucking solstice, bro. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so so there's Bif- a lot. There's so much of that in this. There's so much. So Biffingham captures Clara because he thinks that she's hot shit. And takes her back to the castle. Yeah, Doc tries to fight and fails miserably. And yeah, gets captured too. So the kids end up alone, and they 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 end up meeting like a ancient like Marty. farmer version of Marty McFly. Okay, uh, <laughs> I have some once. So in this in this Marty's everybody's ancestors are like throughout this series, and they all just wind up in the same place. Which okay, I guess Marty's ancestors being in England makes sense because his ancestors came from Ireland, and his and name it, is McFly. Yeah, and at the end of at the end of this episode, at some point, Doc says something along the lines of like, "Oh, have you ever thought of going to Ireland?" Which it wasn't wouldn't have been called Ireland at that time; it would have been called, I think, Hibernia. Well, whatever. whatever. Yeah. But he says, "Oh, you ever, you ever thought of going to Ireland?" You probably should, and you're like, "Oh like, yeah, yeah, I'll go for potatoes there." Yeah. Like, so, no, so, so <laughs> they they use the they reuse the same models whenever it's a whenever it's an ancestor. It's the same character just in different outfit and with like an accent or something. Yeah, yeah, Genevieve. Yeah, Genevieve and and Harold McFly. So I was sitting there thinking, okay, so wait a minute, Marty and Jennifer essentially get together in the 1300s, 
And they're still together in... Yeah, that's for, for the logic of this one. They're still together in 1991. It's like they're distant relations and they're banging. So they just interbreed over yeah. and over and over and over again. Maybe that's why Marty's so stupid. Well, it very well. Well, that's... And his dad, too. Hey, George, well, George McFly is a man among boys. Uh, that's a nice thought, Sean. Uh, <laughs> so Biff wants to kill Doc... Uh, challenges him to a duel, which ends up being like a joust. There was a line um, in here that I wrote down that I actually thought was kind of funny and clever. Biff, when they're when they're fighting or when they're uh, about to fight, Biff turns to Doc and he says, "Prepare to meet your ancestors." And then Doc turns around and says, "I do quite often, but thanks for the invitation." <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are little moments when I you're was like, like, "Oh my god!" Like it's a diamond it's, in the rough type of thing. Right yeah, there. the whole show is like that. There's like these little moments that are actually pretty funny. So there, there was this, there's this part like around that time actually where the kids go to break into the castle and the guards at the front have these like super heavy like stereotypical accents from Liverpool yeah and they sound like poor man's Beatles yeah uh, it, they hey on, what what are you doing they full on sound like the, they try to make them sound like the Beatles uh, but they're just horribly animated again it's just like lazy animation but it was like one of those moments where I was like. That's intentional. They want them to sound like the Beatles. But this is 91, 92. How many, like, eight, nine-year-olds who are watching this are going to understand, like, what the Beatles sound like? Seven. Be- Seven people. Kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Seven kids will know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a few. Maybe eight. Yeah, okay. But but it's like, by that point, two of the Beatles are dead, right? No, no. No, no just the one. Cause just John, George just John Lennon. George didn't die till later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Still, though, I mean... How many of them are going to understand who the hell they are? Oh, so so Biff and <laughs> yeah, when they go to joust and and he's using like this <laughs> giant armor and and then unicorn armor uh, for, for his, his horse. horse yeah. Oh, by the way, his horse looks incredibly like a My Little Pony. Yeah, I was saying that I was I, I didn't. Did write you it, notice that too? I didn't write it down, but I noticed that in all of the episodes that had horses or incorporated horses, they look like My Little Pony horses. The horses look terrible. Period. The horses look awful. They're they're they like they never that, seen a horse before. That speaks to the quality of My Little Pony show. Yeah. <laughs> so Biffin Biff is on this Biff is on this horse with unicorn armor, and he's wearing a literal giant suit of armor that he can crawl out of, and he's got a giant lance. And Doc is sitting on essentially like a wine barrel that has wheels on it, and he's got like pillows instead of armor. Yeah, it's like so it's so bad. And uh, the kids show up, and they have this toy car. That they were playing with earlier and in the episode. And they turn into a, remo- a remote-controlled wooden horse. Yeah, they, they somehow attach so it to his, the bottom of the his thing. his kids are geniuses, and he is the most inept mofo ever. Well, Jules is a genius. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Vern so, is also kind of an idiot. But then, as they're doing it, he's actually getting away from Biff and not getting hit. But then, Biff gets off his horse. and well, he, Doc Doc ends up forcing him off his horse through sheer ineptitude. I mean, through his own ineptitude, he he defeats uh, Biff uh, temporarily, and then Biff attacks more. Yeah, like, with, with like a like a flail. Yeah, and when and when he pulls the flail out, then for whatever reason, Jules gets scared and throws the remote for the for the toy car in the air. He's like, ah! And he throws it up in the air, and it gets smashed by the flail. Jules has no balls. Jules doesn't have any balls. Um, and then and then that effectively renders his thing useless. Useless, and, yeah. And so now they're captured. They're going to be... Uh, they're going to be executed. Yeah. And chop their heads off. At 6 o'clock by the sundial. This was actually... Um, I actually thought this was a pretty funny sequence. It was a, it was a decently done uh, sight gag with the sundial and then the clouds... Ex- yeah, like, so, the, so the clouds come over and the sun is hidden 
And then Biff says something along the lines of like, oh, you know what? That's the problem with these things. You can never tell the time when it's dark. And then Jules looks at his watch and goes, I have two till. And he's and like, like, shut up, shut, shut up. up. Shut up. Yeah, and then the sun comes out like, oh, so it is. Oh, it's good. Yeah. And then the sun goes back away. It happens like two or three times. Yeah, and then they, then they escape. One question um, I asked, though, before before we get too far away from it is, the headsman was practicing. and he On a watermelon. Chopped, he chopped a watermelon. There wasn't a watermelon in medieval Europe. That's like an that's like an Arabian thing. Well, there was in uh, in the past of Doc Brown. Maybe. maybe he created an alternate timeline. Maybe they brought a watermelon with him and gave it to him. Mm, maybe I know brain explodes. So, so while this is all happening, Clara and Genevieve are in the tower, and they decide to make a hot. Well, you don't know what they're making at first. It's Genevieve. Oh, sorry, Genevieve. It's terrible. So they don't they don't know it as stinks. It stinks. Uh, it's. <laughs> it's- Thanks. God, yes. Like, there's so many of these, like, little puns with names and stuff, and you just... It, they're so, like... You know what, though? If you take... They're so groany, just... If you take the if you take the classical Guinevere, that means Genevieve is probably a whore who will ditch Marty at the first sign of a better man. Very... Yeah, for Lancelot. Mm, that's right. I wonder who Marty's Lancelot is. Uh, it's Einstein. Oh! <laughs> she's into that. So that you don't be. know what they're making, but it turns out that they're making a hot air balloon. Okay, but I... There's no way that you can't figure it out, because the, the live action is full of so much foreshadowing. Oh, with, yeah, yeah. They always are like, this is an experiment. I wonder how this will get worked in. And then you're like, okay, well, they haven't showed it yet. We're 20 minutes into the episode. I was wondering about the... So they make a hot air balloon. There's like two minutes left of the episode... Two minutes, and then we have to close out and do our live action segment at the end. So obviously, it's going to be a hot air balloon. Like it, 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 it's that in every single one. It's always to the end, and you're always like, "I wonder how this." Oh, there it is. I wanted to know how they were able to inflate the hot air balloon that quickly by using coal. It looks like they were using coal to blow up the air hot air balloon. Yeah, I unless they had a bellows, uh, I don't, which I doubt. But so they, so they, they end up escaping, and so this is something that I thought was weird. So they escape, they get back to where the DeLorean is. The DeLorean comes out, the family gets in, and Clara locks Doc out of the DeLorean. Oh yeah, I wrote this down and, too. Okay, so she, she and you've got Biff, you got Biffingham and his men that are charging down on them, and not just that, but he actively wants to murder them. Yeah, he has vocalized. They all know that Biff will murder them. Anyone left. Biff will murder. And so she keeps the door closed to the last second and essentially blackmails Doc into an apology, threatening to leave him to be murdered. Yeah, I wrote like, that down I too. I said like, I would just I would just very nicely travel to some like time period and take her with me and then leave her. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, I wrote I wrote down that Clara risks Doc Clara risks Dark Doc's life to get him to apologize. What a fucking bitch. It, that's like not a cool thing to do to your spouse. Yeah, that's uh, like that's the equivalent of that's the equivalent of driving out into the desert when you're having an argument, kicking them out of the car, locking the door, rolling down the window and say, apologize or I'm leaving your ass out here. Yeah, it's a dick move. And then, like, starting to drive away. Like, like fuck you, Clara. Yeah. It, and the kids are all with it, too. They're like, yeah, you stick it to them, Mom. And then they all get in the car and they drive away. And then we get to learn how to make a hot air balloon and, out of a plastic bag, adhesive tape, and a blow dryer. And if, and if there's any justice in the world, Clara has to explain a couple bruises to the neighbors. Yeah, well. I hit the doorknob. Fell down it, the it, stairs. They're, pro- they're most likely, I mean, judging by Clara and, and Doc's relationship, they're most likely bruises on Doc. <laughs> Doc is a Doc is he's a, a battered husband. He's a battered husband. Well, she threatened to basically have him murdered if he didn't apologize. All right. So, so yeah, and then we we get a a bag, a plastic bag, and a blow dryer air balloon. Yeah, with Bill Nye. So let's move on to episode three, 
Episode 3 is called Forward to the Past. To test a new invention called the Sonic Garbage Modulate... Uh, Sonic Garbage Molecular Redistributor without Marty. Jesus. Doc and the boys head back to prehistoric times before 3,000 years. 3 million years. 3 million years, sorry. Prehistoric times. 3 million years B.C. So that they will not endanger anyone. Before they can run a test, a Tyrannosaurus gives chase, and with the help of a friendly Tyrannodon, they escape. At nighttime, they finally set up to run the test. Doc spots a shooting star, which is actually a large meteor, heading towards Earth. It is the large meteor. It is the large meteor. Doc zaps it with the redistributor and destroys the meteor, thus saving Earth, but draining his car battery. That's actually not what drains its car battery. We'll talk about that in a minute. Using lemons to power the battery, lemons that are the size of trucks... They head back to the future, and civilization as they know it has changed. Odd breeds of dinosaurs rule the Earth. Doc realizes that he must return to the past to restore the meteor, and in doing so, sentencing their friend Donnie, the pterodon, ter- pteranodon, sorry, into extinction with the rest of the dinosaurs. When the group, group returns to present-day Hill Valley, while Marty and Einstein are visited again, Vern befriends a little bird that resembles Donnie. Which I don't think they ever show again. Yeah, so... Okay. There's a lot of things in this episode. There's a lot. We were t- we talked about this when we were having lunch. Earlier. I like dinosaurs. I was one of those kids, and I don't. I'm not unique in this. I loved dinosaurs. I had books, and I loved it, and I learned as much as I could. Yeah, I, I was totally one of those kids too. I, I think most kids are dinosaur kids. Yeah. So they in the episode they talk about three. They talk about going back three million BC, and that they were going to the Creta- the Cretaceous period. Okay, well, the live-action Doc is talking about that. He's talking about uh, 3 million B.C. Cretaceous period, and then it shows two T-Rexes fighting. But they're, like, really poorly... Uh, it's like an old B-movie. Oh, yeah, like, it's like a stop-motion claymation movie. Like a stop-motion yeah. claymation, uh, like, uh, two T-Rexes fighting. Um, but it three... For, okay, so T-Rexes are from the Cretaceous, like, right? I mean, it, we, we've discussed... I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Cretaceous. But... It was not 3 million years ago. Yeah, so the Cretaceous period ended 65.5 million years ago. Not 3 million, 65.5 million. No, 3 million years ago, there, there's, there's like fossilized record of like... Uh, Hominids. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's fossilized records of, of, of humanoid type, our, our early, early ancestors. Yeah. And we know that there's no way that there's... Uh, humans and dinosaurs are not a thing. They didn't leave, live at the same time. Yeah, no, I mean... so. <laughs> One of the things that they, they talk about when he's trying to explain this, this thing, this, this invention that he made, it's basically a disintegrator. Disintegrator, reintegrator. Okay, type I of got thing. a lot to say about this invention, too. Well, I... so when he's explaining it, he pulls down this thing that he calls the Doc Brown Blackboard. And I thought, if you've ever seen the movie Jurassic Park, the Doc Brown Blackboard is essentially Mr. DNA. Yeah. Because yeah. It, like, it shows it in a sort of cartoony way of, of how we take dino DNA and splice it. <laughs> Well, I did. I did actually think of that as well, which then honestly just made me gonna want to go watch Jurassic Park. So yeah. I may, I may do that the, uh, this week. But so, what about the invention? Oh God! So where do I start? So the, this like molecule machine, whatever, whatever it's called. I, I didn't. I don't even remember what he called it. But so he invents this. It's essentially a fancy vacuum that breaks matter down molecule by molecule. And it looks like a vacuum. And then Vern comments that it's like, like, "What? You invented a vacuum? Congratulations, Dad! You're a fucking retard." He does this for the purpose of taking care of the world's trash problem. <laughs> you know what? So, this, is, this is classic. This is classic mad scientist where he creates a death ray for some purpose, and then they're like, "Well, wait a minute. What if it falls into the wrong hands?" He's like, "Well." I didn't yeah. think about that. I guess it could be kind of dangerous if it fell into the wrong hands. You made a fucking death ray! 
So this this device has the ability to rearrange matter. So he has control over matter. He's essentially Captain Atom at this point. He, so if you have or Firestorm or someone, if you have control over matter, then you also have control over space and time. But he already has control over time. Okay, maybe that's how he invented it. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, oh. Yeah. I think we're putting more thought into this than the writers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure that the, the writers also did the uh, the dartboard of truth for this. Going back in time, they're like, "Well, we've got a premise. There's our song. Let's do a show." Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he can break down everything molecule by molecule, and and they're they're essentially relegating this device. And, and not only can it break things down, it can reform them too yeah which means he has the ability to with this device he could create physical objects out of matter from anything so he could literally create yeah that's also needed for this uh he could literally create and solve the world's food hunger problem yeah disintegrate trash and create food and homeless problem and electricity disintegrate homeless people and make food (laughs) that is always the way to go Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green is hobos. <laughs> mm, delicious hobos. Delicious hobos. <laughs> Kick, cook them on a campfire stove. <laughs> so, so they they go back in time, and this meteor is cro- okay. They, this meteor is falling to the earth, and they're like, "Oh my god! Well, let's try it with the meteor because the impact is in a couple minutes, and, and it's gonna kill us. Yeah, so it's gonna kill just- us and everything." Except that they have a time machine, and if they didn't want to die, they could just That's travel the, away. Yeah. This entire episode could have been prevented if they just said, well, there's a giant meteor. The, the plot of this entire episode hinges on the fact that they forgot they came there in a time machine. It's like they forgot we're in the Cretaceous period, and there's a giant meteor that destroys the dinosaurs, and we're in a time machine. Yeah. They Dang. forgot the whole process. I mean, they, they're supposed to be scientifically literate. Uh, apparently not. Because yeah. they, they fail so hard at every turn in science. Uh, so there is a giant pteranodon that they fly on that looks uh, like a th- fucking bird. Okay, so it looks like a pink toucan Sam or like Sunny uh, Sunny the, the Cocoa Puffs bird. Yes, and they they claim it's a pteranodon. Apparently, apparently Wikipedia says he's a pteranodon too. Um, so let me but tell. But he looks like a fucking bird. Let me tell you about pteranodons. Pteranodons are giant. They're not dinosaurs. They're giant flying, essentially lizards. But they're not in the same species and genus as, uh, as dinosaurs. They're not in the same... Uh, yeah, they're in a whole other category. Yeah. So, pteranodons were these huge these huge flying lizards that flew like albatross. They were just giant wingspan. They would launch off the ground. Um, they had rookeries. And they ate small things. They were, they were meat eaters. They ate yeah, they small ate, animals. They ate fish. Yeah, other dinosaurs and mammals well, and yeah, stuff they, that were alive. So, the idea... Uh, this is just me being picky because I like dinosaurs. The idea that, that the fucking pteranodon, even though it looked like Sonny the Cocoa Puffs bird, is their friend, is friendly. Yeah, and they, they ride away on it because they, they go and they, they end up, don't they end up getting chased by like a Tyrannosaurus in this part? Yeah, yeah, and then the, the dinosaur the gets away. Yeah, yeah the Tyrannodon yeah. comes and, and saves them. So they, 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 end up, they end up destroying the, the meteor and then they want to go back to the future, but they can't because the battery was drained not by the freaking thing no, that they used, but because Vern was watching a music video <gasps> that Marty made. That Marty made of his terrible cover band. Yeah, and I'm sorry, he was watching the video for all of three minutes. If if three minutes worth of music video TV drains the battery of the, then you need to stop inventing 
devices that can destroy matter and yeah. start inventing uh, lithium-ion batteries. Well, I was going to say, maybe you should take a look at the fucking Mr. Fusion and see if there's something wrong with that thing. I, yeah, no, he's just such a failed scientist in every way. Isn't there a joke about meteors? Why do, uh, why do astronomers like to look at... Ah, never mind, I'll come up with it later. Something, the punchline is they're a little meteor. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't See, remember. See, okay, we talked... We're going to edit that out. We, we talked in an earlier episode about Sean's dad joke love. Uh, that's one of them. Um, yeah. But without the joke, it's just the punchline. Yeah, so they end up on this dumb... On, they end up on this, like, Oh, past- and now it is. Why do moon rocks taste better? Oh, God. Because they're little meteors. <laughs> or they're oh, little Jesus, meteors. Ah, oh, there we go. Ah, da, 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 da. Psh. But I'm dumb. So they blow up, up. They blow up the media, and they end up in this like past dumb like dinosaur world that's three million years ago, but somehow in the Cretaceous. Period. You know what they end up in? You know what they end up in? They end up in the weird mushroom kingdom from the Super Mario movie. What? What do you mean? Because that's an that's a that's a thing where dinosaurs evolved into like weird. Oh no no no! no that, okay, so they jumpstart the car with the giant lemons, and they end up going to their own time period. And you're right; it's like weird evolved dinosaur future. Except they're huge. They're yeah. like bigger than they're bigger than they would be because okay, so they're in a DeLorean. Everybody up, everybody get down. Everybody gotta jump on that dinosaur. Show. Yeah, everybody walked a dinosaur. No, yeah. so they like the dinosaurs grew even bigger because when they get there, they're in the DeLorean they're and a huge. dinosaur car comes up, and the dinosaur car, the tire dwarfs the entire car, the entirety of the. They're DeLorean. like the si- the car is like the size of a lug nut. Yeah, but then but then like the ratio changes weirdly too because then they're flying around in the DeLorean and it's yeah. like and it's like a giant bug. And then they end up in this giant dino city with westernized culture. Which Remember I, that movie, Dino City? I think it had Whoopi Goldberg in it or oh no, it's something Rex. What? Something Rex. Oh, is that the animated one? No, it's live oh. action. Oh, no, I, I have no was recollection. Just, I think it was just called Rex. Well, we'll have to watch it because I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but so they end up in this like westernized culture of dinosaurs. How they end up with Western culture, I don't know. But... Sorry, Theodore Rex. Oh God! Oh my God! It's like the same. It's like the same studio that made the dinosaurs from Dinosaurs. Yeah, no, it's oh god, I, the ending of that's a whole other discussion. Um, yeah. So they end up in this weird dinosaur uh, future, and they realize what they did. And um, that they have essentially doomed all of human evolution. And well, they didn't they, even let humans evolve. Yeah. Um, and so they only have 12 minutes to turn it around. Which I checked at, I checked at that point in the episode when they said they only have 12 minutes and like 41 seconds. I checked the time signature on the... And it was the rest of the episode. Yeah, exactly. It's the rest of the episode. I was like, episode. oh, that was clever. That was yeah, kind of clever. It was kind of smart. Um, yeah. So this uh, dinosaur captures them and these two dinosaurs argue uh, what to do with them. And one dino is like a Biff dino... Uh, like weird amalgamation. They say they. One of them says, like, Jules or Vern says, that looks like Biff Tannen. That di- that Allosaur looks like Biff Tannen. Yeah, and, and also why are there Allosaurs when Allosaurs ex- when extinct, extinct in the Jurassic? So there, it's a previously extinct dinosaur breed that has now come back and then evolved into a policeman. Well, you know what? Maybe there was some playing around with Dino DNA. Oh God, that would have made the show far more interesting. So. They electrocute the dino with the car battery that apparently they had no electricity for. Yeah, no, and no. so they they could have 
They don't drain the battery shocking the, the dinosaur with all of their electricity, but watching three minutes yeah. of a music video <laughs> drains the battery. That part was funny because Doc's holding two live wires, and he tells them in a stupid way, he tells them to get their feet off of the floor and put them on the seat, and then Jules is like, but father, you told us to never put our feet on the seats of the DeLorean. He's like, just fucking do it, you dumbass! And then they put their feet up, and then he, <laughs> he takes the two live wires, and he puts them to, like, the metal of the car, and the whole car goes... Oh, yeah, see, I, I was, okay, I was watching this episode kind of late at night, and I was starting to fall asleep, so I, I don't know if I took notes on that part. Jules, um, just put your fucking feet up! Yeah, but they end up back to the present, and, uh... No, they go back to the Cretaceous. Yeah, they go back to Cretaceous, they fix the problem, and they end up... You know, um, that's, a, that's a really sad part, because the fucking Pteranodon comes back. Okay, and so, like, they've got all these, like, things with, like, going back and forth between the future and the past. Why not just take the damn dinosaur with them? Yeah, and at the at the like, I so, honestly expected them. I thought they I were thought just, they would do that. I was too. like, this is totally a moment where they could just do this, and now they've got a new pet dinosaur for the show. They already did that with Denver, the last dinosaur. Oh, that I can't wait to do that show. It's pretty bad. Yeah, he's um, my friend, and a whole lot more. Oh, that's what a, did that have to? What did that mean? Uh, go back and watch the episodes. Maybe you'll you'll see some. I don't want to see your messages. I don't so. want to see a dinosaur jacking off a teenager. Uh, well, I mean, there's always. I mean, maybe I do. Out. Yeah, there's, there's, some... al- there's always your cantaloupe shot. So. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Cassava melon. Yeah, so then the, the episode ends, and Bill Nye shows us how to make a lemon battery. Wait, wait, wait. Before the episode um, before the episode ends. So they go back in time, and Doc has this thing where he's, he, he has this, this speech that he, or he, he talks to Vern, and he's like, okay, you know, we, we can't take him. He needs to die here. And Vern gets all sad, and they go back in time. And then, like, a parrot or something that looks exactly up. like the Pteranodon. It's like his, uh, he's been this reincarnated like, Yeah, over this and looks over like the Pteranodon. Can we keep him? Yeah, he was, like, reincarnated over and over again until this moment. And then Doc shoots him, and they eat him for dinner. Uh, maybe it's delicious, Sean. Don't judge. Dinosaurs are probably delicious. I don't no. need some dinosaur meat. Sometimes you got to provide for your family. Probably okay. tastes like Pteranodon. Ooh, I wonder what that tastes like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so episode ends. We get taught how to make a lemon battery. But here's something that I thought was interesting. So when they're discussing that, Doc turns to the audience and tells them, if you're too young for a knife, have your parents help you. So I thought this was weird because, first of all, they are just assuming that, one, there are kids old enough to use a knife for the show. And, two, that if they're too young, that the parents will still let them use it, but they'll just help. Well, it's like... But, but see, here's the thing... It, it, with the stuff on today and what's expected out of society, because I have a two and a half year old and she helps me cut vegetables, and and I let her like do stuff in the kitchen with a chef's knife, a small one. It's a it's a four inch sentoku, but and and there's supervision, and I show her you know how to you know hold the knife and how to guard her fingers or whatever. But there's this idea that like children are helpless until they're adults. But it, it shows that there's there was this immediate break in in culture at the time because. That wasn't that long ago. We're talking like 20 years ago, and then all of a sudden now children are helpless, but at the time we're co- totally cool with them using a knife. Yeah. I, ha- I just, as a 50, par- 50 years ago, they taught uh, marksmanship in high school. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, that, I mean, who knows? That could be a b- good or bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, but it's kind of like, like nowadays when people say, you know, get your parents' permission to go online. I remember that on a lot of Disney Channel shows. They're like, you know, get your parents' permission to go online to Disney.com and check out our blah, blah, blah. Well, now blah. parents don't even know what to do, and their kids do it for them. So. Well, yeah, the kids are like, well, let's check out this website on my it's like, phone. It's like, hey, uh, you want to go see two girls? Let's do it. Two girls, one. Two girls, one. Anything that, how that ends is going to be bad. Yeah. So, right. so that's, that's, the, that's the end of episode three. 
Yeah, I think and, that's it. This, and what, this what did is, you think about the first couple episodes? I I did not like them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was not My Little Pony bad, but I was just it was punishingly boring for me. I you know I was telling Sean I was worried that we would even have anything to talk about because this this was just like it's just uh, so much du- it's just a lot of like not happening in in us like there's stuff that that's interesting but there's a lot that just isn't yeah there's a lot of there if i wasn't if i was not watching this show um for this purpose to do this podcast and taking notes i would have fell i would have fallen asleep right away yeah I I, after about episode two i really didn't want to finish it yeah <laughs> because because I was like, man, the first two episodes were just... I mean, it's one thing if a show is bad because it can be entertaining because I'm a fan and you're a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, well, I'm like, a fan of riffing on bad stuff. Which we kind of did with, with Zelda and My Little Pony. Uh, I mean, My Little Pony is so bad, I don't know if I'd want to go back and do more. But The thing is, though, is that, is that there's, there's, entertain, there's entertainment when you talk about the foibles of a show and, and the, the missteps yeah. and whatever. This show has a lot of those, but it's also just boring... And I don't know how they took a concept like time travel and made it boring. You have time travel with with two with first of all a super cool DeLorean and then second of all a time traveling train that he uses too. How do you go about making that boring? They they found up they found a way. They found, Nature found a way. It's, and they have the science thing at the beginning and the end, and it's like. Did they do that because they knew the show was terrible? They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough uh, content for an entire twenty-two minutes, so they had to I, fill it, ten. Tw- or, or was, yeah, you know what? I just thought of that. That means that the whole episode is only like is only like fifteen, 15 minutes. minutes long. Yeah, because they do about eight to ten minutes worth of. Maybe about eight minutes. Yeah, four yeah. in the beginning, four in the end. Oh, of live action stuff. Well, no, it's about three minutes at the beginning, about two at the end, and every once in a while he'll do like a little bit in the middle. Yeah, but. We don't get much live action. I, I honestly, I don't know if it was because the show was just so boring that they're like, we got to spice this up. Well, or if it's the other way around. Well, so. if that's not, if that is not a uh, entice, well, yeah, if that is not an enticing way to say we've got more of this coming up. We have one more episode. We promise, only one. Yeah, and uh, we will, we will get to that next time. Uh, that's that's enough torture for today. I mean, it's it's it's. It's not terrible. It's just it's boring. It's, yeah, it's, 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 there's not a lot happens. And Sean, and, Sean and I after this may need to play video games and watch some Star Trek to clear our brains. Oh, so. that'd be great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Until then, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the first half of this Back to the Future retread. Um, if you have any comments or you want to talk about this episode or talk about the show in general, you can always hit us up on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is RemasteredCast. Um, if you want to email us, we're at childhoodremastered at gmail.com. That's childhoodremastered at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up. Talk to us. Let us know what you think. Um, we're always open to comments and criticisms. Uh, and we, we might, also have a Facebook page, too. Uh, we do have a Facebook page now. If you want to check out, uh, just search for... Uh, childhood Remastered. Yeah, facebook.com slash childhoodremastered. We can talk to you on there. Um, and if you have if you have anything to say, if it's uh, criticisms, we might not listen. We might listen. I don't know. It all depends on how much I've drank that day. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, but, so, so bring it on. Uh, suggestions, comments, concerns, complaints. Uh, we, we enjoy all of the above. So. Yeah. So uh, until next time, uh, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you later.